Well, good morning, everyone. And uh, I am so blessed this morning to have Sean and Rebecca uh, with us uh, on the broadcast. They were recently appointed as the architects of the project which we are pursuing called the Bridge of Hope. And this is all about expanding uh, the building to the left and to the right. And it's not so much about the brick and glass. Obviously, you know, the building materials are a very important part of it, uh, a practical element. But it's about ultimately leading people towards transformation. This is about a, a, a bridge of hope. We want to see people, you know, brought from, you know, death to life, from darkness to light. We want to see people move from isolation to a sense of community. Uh, those who maybe feel without purpose we want people to understand that they have great value and significance and purpose uh, in their lives so welcome sean and rebecca it's really good to have you with us today likewise hi. hi good to speak to you so do you want to share just a, a little bit with um the people of clc a bit about who you are and you know uh, what you do Sure, absolutely. So both of us originally from Portsmouth, actually, we met at um, architecture school at Portsmouth University some 10 years ago, 11 years ago now. Um, and we've moved up to London and uh, set up our own architecture practice. Um, and it was kind of earlier this year, we were put in contact, although we knew the CLC, I actually lived a few streets away from the church uh, back in 2009 um, but recently we've spent a lot of time with the CLC team because we were blessed enough to be appointed to work with you guys on the Bridge of Hope project um, and our practice is called Facture Architects. Should I say a little bit about Facture? Yeah, so um, it's great to um, finally be introduced to the congregation because um, something we're really interested in is um, people who use spaces and it's an absolute pleasure to be able to design for such a, a great user group um, who use space in a, a range of particular ways. Um, we named the practice Facture um, after a word um, which means something along the lines of um, the finished um, building will show the process of how it's made and um, typically this relates to the materials but um, our practice philosophy is about uh, trying to reflect the people who were involved in the process so um, this is the perfect project um, for our kind of practice and it's been fantastic to, to get to know you Daniel and, and the rest of the senior leadership team and hopefully some of the congregation in the not too distant future because yeah. um, it's really important to how we design. Yeah it's been really difficult for us since March not being able to mm. meet physically with the people that we're designing for and, and building for so um, yeah but we hope in the near future that we'll be able to engage a little more with the, with the wider church. Um, but we've been making some models recently with the hopes that we'll be able to kind of showcase them in the foyer and really get people, local people involved with what we're doing. That's really great. Yes, would, yeah. Would you like us to show a model, Daniel? Yeah, it'd be great, great to see a model. <laughs> this is kind of an initial idea at the moment, nothing, nothing too fixed in stone. Um, so do you want to just talk us through a bit about um, the, the different aspects, the different parts of it? Sure, sure. So um, the main kind of driving force for the project was to create this bridge to 
um, connect with not only the local people but churchgoers and beyond um, and so the extensions to the church are one aspect of it but there's actually a lot happening within the existing church so reconfiguring both ground and first floor and how these extensions kind of bridge with what already exists um, not just physically but also in terms of uh, how the church is run the people and who use it for different functions um, so architecturally there's three elements to the project there's an extension to like Daniel says the left and the right um, creating a new cafe space uh, or community space that kind of draws people in that wouldn't necessarily kind of engage with the church um, there's kind of this foyer space at the front elevation um, which gives the church a new uh, language, I guess, rather than being quite a brutalist, harsh building that isn't so engaging with the public street, um, kind of creating this volume that's very heavily glazed and transparent so people can see what's going on within the church um, is something that the CLC team are really keen to, to drive forward. And then there's the extension that sits on, on the uh, other side of the church, which is um, more community space and uh, crash and, and multifunctional flexible spaces. I think yeah, the, the key thing we took from our initial engagement with uh, the church team is that um, the building seems quite closed off, um, not just to congregation members who are approaching the building, but to the local community and to the wider community. So uh, the main aspiration of the project um, and the, the central ethos of the Bridge of Hope is about how we connect um, the building and its functions to as many people as possible. So uh, the architecture is going to be very open and although we're building walls in front of the church, the effect of these walls uh, will actually be the opposite. It will be about opening the church up to the street. Uh, so lots of glass and lots of connections and uh, much more activity. So um, the church is a very positive environment with lots of great things happening. So that is going to be um, curated to, to the wider street and people will literally be able to see what's going on, which is, which is really exciting. We're, we're really excited about seeing that the inside kind of being out coming to the outside and uh, in a sense people will be able to connect i mean buildings have body language don't they <laughs> they say that us as human beings most of our communication is non-verbal i think it's the same with buildings as well and we want to say <clears throat> as a building that people are welcome we want to people to feel drawn in we want people that even when they're walking past at the moment they've got the kind of 1937 brick which which is nice it's great but it is quite closed mm. so what we want to do through this and working with you guys is you know with that glass that people will be able to look in and see people smiling and enjoying community and laughing and just having a good time and so you know what a great um encouragement to people to say oh maybe i should go in there and uh, we really believe that you know we want to be a community hub we are a community hub anyway but we want to kind of build on that and enhance that so guys just tell me a bit about how you're finding your experience i know that you've been watching some of the services um online which has been really great just you getting to know some of our people and kind of get a bit of a feel for the church and obviously it's been a little bit different for clc in this season having yeah. to learn new things but tell us about how your experience has been um since you've been connecting with those that you have connected with clc mm -hmm. and then maybe as well talk to us a little bit about 
where are we at on the kind of project line? How far ahead are we? What, what has you know, been done? I know you've had a few meetings even recently. You had a meeting with someone from the council. Just tell us a little bit about that as well. So firstly, I would just like to thank the CLC um, for engaging us with not only on this project, but also with the church. Like it's been really wonderful, especially during lockdown, uh, because we live in London, and but our roots are in Portsmouth. It's been really wonderful to connect through your online services um, on a Sunday. So thank you. I think that comes from just not us, but the wider kind of community that you've reached out to and there's been a lot of negative aspects a hell of a lot uh, with with covid but the positives we really need to focus on and one for us is definitely being able to connect with people beyond london so yeah. no, it's been fantastic i think something we were talking about a while ago is how um initially it felt like a missed opportunity to not be able to come to the church attend a service and um feel how the church operates um but then we realized there's actually been um possibly an even more important opportunity to meet uh, a much more diverse and broad congregation many of whom aren't actually based in portsmouth and whom we might have forgotten about in the design process if we just come down to the building so um, central to the Bridge of Hope project is um, the idea that the church is a physical space um, but its work and engagement is much broader so um, there's interesting questions about how um, these kind of video links work and um, how, how the church curates its operations and communicates with people so um, that part of it has actually been really interesting and it's been a pleasure to have started working on a project with this sort um of um engagement um during a point when you can't physically meet people which mm -hmm. is normally so important at the early design stages that's great and where, whereabouts are we at on the project at the moment so tell us a bit about your recent meeting with someone from the council uh and and kind of where we're at on the timeline of kind of moving this forward yeah well we'd love to say it's opening next week but <laughs> it's 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 a slow and challenging process so i guess um the early parts is about understanding um, what we need to do so um rebecca and i have spent hours um both at the C, uh, at the clc with the senior leadership team um and um looking at some of the um services to understand what the design brief is and on site visits with daniel as well so going to look at some wonderful buildings around greenwich oh uh, yeah, great yeah, yeah. <laughs> we went to look at some other good examples of buildings um, and then i guess the the main focus of uh these early stages is to try and understand what's possible so both in terms of um the space physically so we've done lots of drawing um, and then in terms of what is acceptable in terms of planning. So uh, we had a very important meeting uh, just over a week ago, two weeks, two weeks ago. ago with a local planning case officer. Um, so this was a, a pre-application meeting and it's um, part of a, a conversation that you start with the planners. So we talk about what our aspirations are for the project and then they talk about what they think is acceptable um, in terms of development on the site. Um, and it was a really positive meeting and we feel that um, they really listened to what the CLC are all about and what the hope is for the project 
Um, so we have our fingers crossed for the feedback, which will um, come back from them next week, possibly this week. Um, and then if that feedback's positive, um, then we're in a really good position to push into uh, what we call stage three, uh, which is when we start to coordinate the plans, um, they become a bit more real. Um, we pull in other design consultants, so maybe a structural engineer, um, maybe um, a cost consultant, um, a services engineer, so a more robust team that will actually help to bring the project to life. Brilliant. Well, thank you ever so much, guys, for being on the broadcast today. We really appreciate it. And I'd love to be able to pray for you and just you know, encourage those that are watching this broadcast at home to join me um, in praying, uh, if that would be okay. Absolutely. Of course. Pray. Let's pray. Yeah, Father God, just thank you for Sean and Rebecca. Thank you for their willingness, their passion uh, to be involved in this project, Bridge of Hope. And we just really pray your blessing upon them. We, we pray for your wisdom. We pray for your grace. And we just pray for the, the blueprints of heaven to be downloaded. Uh, we pray for grace and favor with the council and with uh, those that are involved in, in planning permission and, uh, you know, with the building. Lord, we pray as well that even you'd go ahead of us to, you know, select the right builders, the right people that are going to help bring this uh, project to completion. So we just thank you for it and we just pray your abundant blessings uh, upon Sean and Rebecca and upon City Life Church and the whole of this project. And we pray that it will be done all for your glory, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks again, guys. It's been really great. We really appreciate you guys and are so thankful. We know that you're doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes and uh, we're looking forward to continuing this journey with you and bringing it to completion. For those of you that are watching um, this broadcast and if you are wanting to support the project, you can go to uh, our website and there is a giving section on there um, or you can go to the link myclc.org.uk forward slash give. Uh, also during each broadcast we also will put up the account code and sort code for those of you who are saying hey we want to be part of this we want to support you guys we want to invest um, in transforming lives and creating a bridge of hope so that more people um, can have their lives impacted and transformed so uh, please do that and um, we just want to say thank you for all of your generosity as well um, for getting behind this project because we can't do it alone we can only do it working together as a team. Uh, God bless you guys. Uh, Sean, Rebecca, have an amazing um, rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Hey, hope you found that interview encouraging. I don't know about you, but I'm really excited about what is emerging, what's developing. And there's that saying, isn't there, that the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. And we have taken more than a single step. We've taken a number of steps, which is really encouraging. So there's still, we've got to be patient in this time. There's still a lot of waiting to be done but it's moving forward and we're really excited and you know it might seem um, strange of why are we doing this building project when we're not in the building um, but we you know we're basing our decision not based on fear we're not basing our decision based on where the economy's at in the world but we you know we're basing it on faith and believing that even in the midst of this time god's going to continue to move this project forward so continue to stand with us and believe with us and we just want to say thank you for your prayers your encouragement 
Um, thank you to Sean and Becky as well. Such a blessing um, getting to know them. And they're just amazingly gifted in their their architecture. And so we're really exciting just to see how that's going to continue to blossom and develop. And of course, there will be some opportunities when, when it gets further along. There will be an opportunity for you to have some input and uh, have your say as well and uh, to encourage um, as we develop that plan. Well, today I wanted to share with you uh, a message based on the book of uh, Habakkuk or Habakkuk, depending on how you say it. It's kind of a bit like, you know, the tomato, tomato, potato, potato uh, debate. Um, Habakkuk is one of the minor prophets in the Bible. Now, let me just say this. When, when, when you have the minor prophets, there are 12 of them, and it's called minor prophets not because the message is not as important as the major prophets. It's simply called the minor prophets because the books are smaller. So Habakkuk is one of the minor prophets, and a prophet, if you're wondering what's a prophet, um, a prophet is someone who's basically like they're a mailman um, from heaven. They're part of the mail delivery service of heaven. So God will speak to them. God will give them a message. And it's their job to pass on that message so that other people will hear what God is saying. And in the book of uh, uh, Habakkuk, there's this conversation. There's this dialogue that's going on with Habakkuk and with God. Judah the people of God, the community of God, had been really sinful and rebellious. They had shunned and rejected God. And God was loving and gracious, but there came a time where consequences were coming. And so God speaks to Habakkuk and he says, look, you know, I've got a message for you and it's not very palatable. This is not a, a particularly nice message. It wasn't like one of those nice candy floss you know messages from god it wasn't as uh, you know a toffee apple from god it wasn't one of those nice oh god's gonna bless you and everything's gonna be great we all love getting messages like that and we do get messages like that from god but this was a sobering word that god was saying to habakkuk hey this bit of mail that you're going to be delivering to the people of god they're not going to like it and it's going to be a tough word, but it's a consequence of their actions. And what God was saying is that he was going to actually allow the Babylonians who were their enemies, who were more rebellious, more sinful. It was kind of like the sin city of the time. God was going to allow them to be a conduit through which there would be judgment, through which there would be consequences delivered. Now, we know that God's a loving and gracious and forgiving God, but God's also just and he's holy and he's righteous. And so we also have to always recognize that we, we have to, when we're looking at things, we must always look at the character and nature of God and knowing who he is and how he responds. So, you know, if someone came and burgled your house or, you know, killed your cat or, you know, um, beat you up, for example, um, what would a good, righteous judge do? Do you think that a, a good judge would say, hey, it doesn't really matter. You know, they said they were sorry. Let's just sweep it under the carpet. Like, no, that would be a really bad judge. Even if there was forgive, uh, forgiveness and reconciliation, that, there's still got to be a consequence. There still has to be a penalty. There has to be a payment. 
So even with us, you know, when we when we sin, if I was to go out and I don't know, drive a car, you know, through a shop window and, you know, and then I say, oh, God, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Like, of course, like God forgives me. But that doesn't mean there's not going to be some kind of consequence. There will be a consequence. The police are going to know about it. There's going to be some kind of final damage and maybe even like a prison sentence, you know, because of that. So God is holy. He's just he can't just sweep sin under the carpet and say it doesn't matter. And in this situation, you know, there was a consequence. Now, it wasn't, you know, God didn't want them to experience that consequence. It was it was the consequence of their action, their choice to come out from God's umbrella of protection. So God's got this umbrella of protection and, you know, he has his instructions and his guidelines and what he says, hey, follow me, stay under the covering. But what happens is humanity, we sometimes think we know better we want to rule ourselves. We don't want to kind of respect the boundaries. We think we know better than God. And so we stray out from under the umbrella of protection. And that's where we get hit with the hail. That's where, in a sense, there are consequences to our actions. And this is what we see here. And so when I talk about God being, you know, a judge, sometimes we, you know, conjure up these pictures of like this angry, you know, big man with a big beard you know in the sky you know waiting to bring down his hammer and judge everyone but we've got to understand god's a good judge he's 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 our best friend he's loving he's gracious he's kind he's compassionate but he's holy he's just he's righteous and he's true so you know imagine you having a really good friend that's you know, doing a court case that you're involved in. For those of you who've ever been in the court of law, you'll know it's like a serious, you know, and sobering moment. And you must respect that judge because you know they have power and they have authority to make decisions, to make judgments. But imagine that that judge is your friend that you love and that you care about. And, but they have to be just. They have to be fair. They can't just say, oh, you're my mate. It doesn't matter. Like, you can get away with it. There's still that kind of justice system. So God is just, but he's fair and he's good and he's righteous. So in this situation, the people of God, there is a consequence. The Babylonians are going to come in. They're going to exile um, the people of God. There is going to be a harsh consequence to that and i want to say this you know in the bible uh i like the fact that the bible is unedited in the it includes the bad parts the struggles the pain the sorrow the questions it's not just all roses and i know that some people you know will say well you know if god is love you know why has it got so much violence in the bible you know why is there you know adultery why is there stealing and and I want to say this, never confuse what's descriptive with what's prescriptive. So in it, in the word of God, we see that there is a description of, you know, sometimes the consequence of sin, of mankind choosing to come out from that umbrella of protection and do our own thing. And there's consequences to that. And we see that. But just because there's a description of something that's happening doesn't mean that God is prescribing and saying this is what you should do. Because God's love and he always wants the best for us and he wants us to be safe. Um, perhaps the most famous verse in Habakkuk, and I want to encourage you in your own time to read uh, what God is saying um, in this. Um, 
is probably Habakkuk 3, verse 17 to 19. So we're going to read this. Uh, it says this, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the field produces no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and cattle in the stall, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. So this was a tough time. And we're in a tough time right now, aren't we? Here, Habakkuk is describing, you know, an economic crisis. He's saying, like, everything's going wrong. Things are falling apart. There's lack. There's destruction. There's bad things happening. The people of God, the community of God have rebelled. They've strayed. There's consequences here. This is a difficult time that he found himself in. But here we see a great example from Habakkuk and some really good advice for us that even though he was in a difficult season, even though, because that's life, isn't it? The Bible includes all these bits because that's real life. This is a reality book. He was going through a tough time, and yet he chose to worship God. He chose to praise. He chose to rejoice in God. And I think that's way more powerful. It's easy to praise and worship God and say, you're great when everything's going well. Uh, everything's happening as we think it should. And we're experiencing victory after victory. And there's lots of abundant provision. But what happens when we're in lack? What happens when everything's going wrong or seems to be going wrong? You know, that's where we're really tested. That's where our metal is tested. And we really get to find out what we're really made of. And here we see this sacrifice of praise that Habakkuk brings. He says, I'm going to rejoice in you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you. Despite what's going on, even though I don't understand it, I'm going to worship you. And I really do believe that in this time we get to bring that sacrifice of praise. You know, when we get to heaven, have you ever thought about this? We won't be able to bring a sacrifice of praise in the sense that everything's going to be great. It's going to be bliss. It's going to be Eden. It's going to be perfection. There won't be any you know, pain or sorrow or heartache or sickness or disease or death or lack. There won't be any of that. This is the only unique time that we've got in this season that when things go bad or things are, are difficult, we get to choose to praise God despite the storms and the struggles. So here we see in this book of Habakkuk, um, we see the, the struggles, we see uh, Habakkuk asking questions, we see him dialoguing with God, also representing the people. So God was saying to Habakkuk, you're going to deliver this message to the people, it's not going to be an easy one. But also Habakkuk was kind of dialoguing with God and representing the people's message and mail, you know, back to God. You know, I want to say this, uh, that Habakkuk's name, do you know what it means? It means to embrace and it also means to struggle. Or to, to, to wrestle. And I really do believe that this is a real key time that in this season we need to embrace God. I mean, He's embracing us, but we, you know, have you ever given someone a hug and they've like not embraced you back? Maybe because they're still a little bit wound up or a bit annoyed at you. And you go in for the hug, but they're, you know, just there and they're really cold. You know, God wants us to be people that embrace God back, 
that we embrace him, that we hug him, that we draw near to him. And James 4, 8, it says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And it's like this paradox because we know that God's omnipresent. He's in all places at all times. He's always with us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. If you've invited Jesus into your life, he's living in you. He's with you always. But yet there is this kind of closer, there's a greater depths that we can go in intimacy with God. You know, it's like I'm married to my wife, Laura. We're one. You know, that is secure. That's permanent. That's not going to change. But yet there is more to learn about Laura. There's more that I can do to get to know her more. There's a, a greater depths of intimacy. And so God in this season is calling us into a greater depth of intimacy. But here we also see that there was a struggle. There was wrestling, and that's what Habakkuk also means. So it's embracing God. We embrace the God of miracle, but we also embrace the God of mystery. And so here also there is this struggle, and sometimes in life we struggle with things. In marriage, you know, we struggle. In relationships, in church, in, in, in general, we struggle. I mean, that's part of life. God doesn't promise that we won't struggle. You know, being a Christian doesn't mean that you're immune from things. But God says, you know, God never promises that it will be easy, but he promises that he'll always be with us and that he will bring us through. And God will bring us through. We will come through this season. We will come through the other side. But, you know, it's important that we stick with him and that we embrace him. And even in those times that we're wrestling with God, knowing that he is going to bless us. So I want to share with you today um, this message I've entitled Coming Out of the Dip. And it's basically some lessons from the book of Habakkuk. And uh, there's a book uh, by a guy called Seth Godin uh, called um, The Dip. And basically, it's a book that's written more for organizations and businesses. But hold with me here, because I really believe that this relates to us as a community of God, as individuals, as families, as a church. And so he talks about this and he uses this diagram here, which I'm going to hold up. Uh, on my little tiny cool whiteboard. And uh, here basically you've got this starting point. And this is where, for example, like you have an organization or a business or a charity um, that it starts, it begins here. And normally there is a kind of, in the early stages, there's a lot of growth. There's a lot of things that are going well. There's profits, there's advancement, there's, there's increase. And everything's going really great. But then after a while, every organization goes through this. There is a, a dip and, and, and it, it gets to this point here that we'll put um, CP, which stands for crisis point. This is where things you know, really start to get difficult. And so companies go through this. Even the biggest and best of companies will all go through this. So at this crisis point, they have a choice of what they're going to do. Now, what they can do is they can you know, try and live in denial and bury their head in the sand, say, hey, nothing bad's really happening because I'm, I'm here, really. And they go into this denial. They keep doing the same things that they were doing, not changing. And as a result, they're trying to return here. But really, the dip will continue to go in a downward trend unless they make the appropriate changes. Or what people will do or organizations will do is they'll say, blow that for a laugh. I thought this was all going to be really easy. I thought it was all going to be growth and forward movement. And um, so what they do is they end up going back to where they were. So it's regression and often it can be people quitting. 
But this, this area here, this is a crucial point, uh, a critical point where basically where there must be change. Often this is known as the, the chaos uh, phase. I believe the world's in this phase right now. I believe the Church of Jesus Christ worldwide is in this phase right now. This is a critical point where I believe that even you know the, the heavenly hosts are leaning in from the balcony of heaven and they're watching to see what are we going to do. And you find out, you know, who who those people are that are really the great, you know, people, not when everything's easy, but when things are difficult. That's when you see the great leaders and reformers and revivalists and uh, people r rising up and making changes and being courageous and being bold, staying faithful, staying with it. So this is what we see in this chaos phase. And normally around this time, you'll see people leaving organizations, leaving churches, you, people kind of in this place of uncertainty and don't know really. And there's a lot of questions of the leadership and what's happening and why are we doing this and why aren't we doing that? This is the chaos phase, but all organizations go through this. You know, I, I think about, to use a company example, do you remember like with Apple? You know, Apple were doing really amazing under Steve Jobs and then he got pushed out of the company and you know, as a result, and then they, they really started to dip down and the company was actually only a few months off being bankrupt. And so they made this really radical, bold move. Let's get Steve Jobs back, because if we don't change, if something doesn't happen, this company will not be here. And what happened is that in this in this period, this was where Steve Jobs actually said, look, we've got a lot of products that we're doing. I don't know what the exact number, you know, 26 products or whatever. He said, look, why are we doing so many products? Why don't we just trim it back, streamline it, just do a, a few things really, really well. Let's, let's get back to basics. Let's be simple. Let's not try and do printers and everything else, but let's focus on doing computers, doing what we do really well, what we can really become best in the world at. So they streamline, they cut back, and as a result, they still continue to go down, but then there was this slingshot moment where they actually ended up coming out of that. And so during this time, this chaos phase, chaos phase, this is a time where change will happen. But I want to say this, be okay with the chaos. Be okay with the uncertainty because actually every organization will go through you know, these phases. Every church will go through these phases. But it's important, let's stick together. Let's stay faithful to God. Let's you know, listen to what the Holy Spirit is doing. Let's follow him and be willing, just as Steve Jobs, you know, was willing to let go of some things that were good products, not necessarily great products, but he was willing to streamline. And as a result, they were able to pull up. And, you know, now Apple, you know, one of the most profitable, uh, you know, amazing companies that are around, very innovative. So, you know, and this can relate also, this can relate to, you know, our Christian walk. Think about here, you know, you get saved at this point, you know, you give your heart to the Lord. And, you know, for those of you that can remember back to when you made that commitment, it seems like everything's going right. You know, you're hearing from God, you know, uh, when you pull up at the traffic lights, they instantly turn green. And, you know, you go for the promotion at work and you get it. And just everything seems to be going well. And there's provision and, you know, God's showing up in all those amazing ways. And, and you're going really great. But, but then there's this little, you know, starts to... To, to go down where maybe in this bit 
you know, maybe God doesn't answer our prayers in the ways that we, we want him to. Maybe we end up losing a job. Maybe something goes wrong. Maybe there's a breakdown in a relationship. Maybe there's some conflict. Maybe there's a financial difficulty. Maybe there's some health issues. And we start to come down here. And that's where we get to a crucial point where we have to make a decision of what are we going to do? And we, we can be tempted again, bury our head in the sand, deny that it's happening and we just go back and really what's happening is we're downward that's a downward spiral or we can say do you know what? i've had enough with this christianity i've had enough following jesus this don't work and we end up going back to our old life going back to how things used to be or we can really dig in and say do you know what i'm going to stay faithful to god you know, even when, you know, relationships are failing, I'm going to continue to look to God. I'm going to continue to hold on to God. I'm going to continue to believe for reconciliation and healing. I'm going to have the courage maybe even to let go of some things that I've held on to dearly because I know that, you know, following God's plan and purpose is the most important thing. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you've been giving tithing and giving offerings over and above and, you know, but it's really difficult because you're like, oh, but, you know, finances are tight and the economy's down and I can't really afford to do this and but but you say do you know what God's word is God's word and and God you're still on the throne of heaven and this is hard and this is difficult but I'm going to still rejoice I'm going to continue to praise you and prioritize you and so even in that and often again it's like things continue it seems like we almost continue to get worse you know but when we honor God and we stick with it we end up being in this slingshot where we start finding this, this forward and upward surge of the spirit where we actually end up in a point where we're way much stronger than where we started out and even where we felt was a kind of a, a real peak in our lives. This really relates to the story of Habakkuk. This really relates to um you know, the season that we're in right now. And I really do believe that God is calling us that in the midst of this, let's stay faithful. You know, Daniel went through a lion's den. He was doing God's work. He was honoring God. He was an amazing, holy man. And yet he was thrown in a lion's den for praying, for like doing God's work. He went into the dip and he could have compromised and said, you know, what? I'm going back. Or he could have buried his head in the sand and just continued to go down. But he didn't. He held in there. The apostle Paul was stoned. And I'm not talking about drugs there. He was stoned with physical stones. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten with rods. He was imprisoned. He went through so many bad things. But he stayed faithful. Think about, you know, the disciples and what they went through and, and the persecution and the, the criticism and the hardship, the rejection you know, that they went through. Think about Noah and the flood and what he went through. And But they stayed faithful. And so in this time, when we, we're in this critical point right now, and I want to say to you, keep on keeping on. Don't give up. Keep holding on to God. And God will bring us through so that even if you're seeing a, a, a continued downward trend, it's going to create momentum for that springing up with that surge of the spirit that you're going to be stronger than ever before. And that's what I've noticed is that the people that I see that are the strongest in their relationship with God, the great examples, they've all got a story to tell about what went on here. They went through some stuff. They maybe lost a, a job. They had some health challenges, you know, had some struggles in their faith, but they held on. 
And I want to encourage you to hold on, to never give up, to keep believing, to keep trusting God, even when it doesn't make sense. And I believe that as we do, we're going to be stronger than ever before. Individually in our faith, as a church, we're going to come through this and we're going to be stronger than ever before. I declare it in the name of Jesus that we're going to come out and we're going to be stronger and more fruitful and more effective than ever before. In Habakkuk 2, you know, we're just going to have a look now just at a few brief things, three three quick lessons that we can learn from this. The first thing, Habakkuk 2.1 says this, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts and I will look to see what he says to me. So what do we do when we're in this? What do we do when we're in the dip? What do we do when we're in a time where there's chaos, where there's uncertainty, where there's confusion, where there's question mark, where things appear to be going down? What do we do? First thing that we do is we look and we listen for what God is saying. Here Habakkuk, he says, I will stand my watch, I will station on the ramparts. The ramparts are basically, you know, like in, with castles, there are those really thick, wide walls that you'd be able to stand on it. That's the ramparts. So he was looking on the ramparts and you would get watchmen that in, in you know, ancient times would stand on the ramparts to be looking out. They'd be looking out for the enemy so that they can alert the community if the enemy's coming, but also not just for bad news, also for good news. If there was a messenger from the king who had some like good news that they were heralding, that they were communicating, then there would be a relaying of that message. So here Habakkuk saying, I will stand and watch. And this is a time for us to stand. This is a time for us to stand in the strength of the Lord and to watch and to listen to what God is saying in proverbs 20 12 you know it says that you know uh, ears to hear and eyes to see both are gifts from the lord you know god's given us this ability to see and to hear not just physically but also spiritually as well you know in proverbs uh, revelation 2 verse 7 it says you know the person who has ears to hear let them hear what the spirit of god is saying to the church are you listening to what the spirit of god is saying to the church I'm not saying, are you listening to what the mainstream media is saying? I'm not saying you're listening to what the papers are saying. I'm not asking what your husband's saying or your wife is saying or your brother or your sister or your mother or your father. Are you listening to what the Spirit of God is saying to the church? Because this is important. We need to be tuning in. We need to be embracing. We need to be even wrestling and struggling with this stuff. But knowing that He is God and that He will bring us through because he is forever faithful so first thing is look and listen look and listen second point uh, i want to share with you is based on um, the next part where it says um, then the lord replied write down the revelation just say that to yourself write down the revelation okay write down the revelation in other translations it talks about vision the kazone, the, the, but this is basically what's God saying? What's the instruction? What's the picture here that God's showing? And make it plain on tablets. You see, they even had, you know, tablets back in those days. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Now, obviously, there's stone tablets. So write it down on tablets so that the, that the herald may run with it. So it's about getting a revelation, but then it's about communicating it with other people. For the revelation, verse 3 in Habakkuk 2 here, the revelation awaits for the appointed time and it speaks to the end and it will not prove false. Though it may linger, or you could say, though it may delay, 
wait for it for it will surely come and will not delay so second point i want to say is this write down what god says write down what god says so we look and we listen for what god's saying what the spirit of god's saying but then we write down record it don't do what i do often when laura sends me to the shop with a shopping list and i keep it in my head <laughs> sometimes you know i you know she'll give me this long list and i'm like yeah yeah i can remember all that and then i come back and it's like oh you've forgotten such so i'm like ah oh. but if you write it down you're not going to get it wrong so there's something about think about it we wouldn't have the bible today if it wasn't for people writing the revelation down of what god was saying something powerful happens it kind of drives it deeper into our being into our spirit into our mind into our lives when we write it down note taking writing stuff down is really really powerful here's the third and final thing it says here in verse three wait for it it will surely come or it will certainly come and will not delay this is all also a season so we look and we listen for what god's saying we write it down we're capturing it we're recording it and then finally the the third point here is that we wait we must wait on the lord and you know it talks about doesn't it in isaiah i think it's forty thirty one. those who wait on the lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings like eagles they shall run and not be weary they'll walk and not faint there's something really energizing about waiting on the lord okay so and often i think that that word wait is seen as a dirty word isn't it we live in an instant age of instant gratification and technology and we don't want to wait we want it now but waiting is a real sign of our maturity that we can wait and we, we can be one of the fruit of the Spirit is patience. Are you being patient in this season? Well, how do we grow in, in patience? Well, we're put in situations where we have to be patient, where we have to wait. And it's about keeping and maintaining a right attitude during that time that we're sharing the fruit of the Spirit. We're growing in the fruit of the Spirit so that when people encounter our lives, they will taste and see that the Lord is good. So... You know, what do we do when we're waiting? You know, well, what does a waiter do in a restaurant? If you're a waiter, what are you doing? You're serving. So in the waiting, it doesn't mean you just go all passive and don't do anything. No, 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 no. Like, we're waiting on the Lord. It's like this, we're continuing to serve him. We're waiting until we get that order. We're waiting until we get, you know, the meal comes out of the kitchen. So we still have a job to do. We can still wait on the Lord and serve him everywhere that we go in the world. Those of you ladies that have been pregnant will know the importance of waiting. And, you know, that child's going to come when that child is ready. You don't want it to come too soon. You don't want it to come too late. It will not tarry. It will not delay. It will come at just the right time. And I believe that God is growing something and that he's getting ready. I sense a stirring in my spirit that God is going to birth something new. And it might be a little bit uncomfortable. It might be a little bit painful, dare I say the word. But I really do believe that this is going to be a great awakening for the body of Christ. This is going to be a turning point. This is a metamorphosis moment. Just as Moses, when he went up Mount Sinai the second time to get the the, uh, the Ten Commandments, and he encountered God in a powerful way. He had this separation up the mountain, uh, this time of solitude. He fasted for 40 days, and when he came down, it says he shone with the glory of God. People could not look at Moses in the same way anymore. 
because he had this glow. And I want to say this. Some people who've become over, overly familiar with you, because of what you're going to encounter in this season, for those of you that press into the presence of God, for those of you that are pursuing you know, closer intimacy with God, drawing near to him, embracing him, you're going to come down from this season. You're going to come out of this season with a glow where people will not be able to look at you in the same way because something is different. And Moses, it says, that had to wear a veil because it was so powerful of what had happened to him, that everything had shifted and changed. You know, they say about a prophet is not respected in his hometown. Well, that didn't happen for Moses. There was a greater reverence and respect because something had transformed. It was a metamorphosis moment. So I want to say to you, you know, what are you doing in the waiting? Let's continue to serve the Lord. And I'm going to finish with this verse. Psalm 37, verse 7, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Let's look and listen to what the Spirit of God is saying to us as humanity is the church. Let's write down, let's record, let's capture what God's saying and let's wait on his timing, knowing that a dream delayed is not a dream denied when we choose to live by faith and not by sight. Hope you found this helpful. Guys, we are going to come out of the dip. We will come through the chaos. We will come through the uncertainties. God's going to take us to a whole new level. God bless you all and lots of love. Well, thank you very much, Pastor Daniel. What an amazing message. And I'm very, very timely indeed. Thank you. Many a time we've had that in our in our time, haven't we? We've had the Habakkuk that has really spoken to us about writing it down. And if any of you out there do a journaling, journaling is absolutely amazing. I do a journal myself and it's just one way of remembering stuff because my memory is not great. So thank you very much. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and going on from this, it's been really interesting that the whole morning has been about worshipping God and focusing on God. And uh, we'd like to continue that with later... Um, you join us in the um, live um, later in the chat with Lynn and myself and we can chat about things. And also tonight at 6 p.m. Uh, we have uh, a service on at 6 p.m. So join, join us there.